How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for the last time this week with another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I mean, y'all know what time it is. It's Friday. It's September 25th. The SEC is back. I'm joined once again by Ben Gorowitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. How's it going, everybody? I'm so excited. I've already set an alarm for tomorrow to wake me up to the CBS introduction theme song. I'm that ready. I might not sleep tonight. Hey, that's what I've been saying. I told my roommates this morning, I was like, I'm glad I got a good night's rest last night because I don't know if I'll be able to sleep much. I mean, most Saturdays and Sundays, I'm out the bed by 830. I'm ready to rock. So I don't even shoot. I don't even know if I'll make it to 830 this time because I'm so excited. Um, we got a great slate for y'all and everything. The SEC is back, but before that we run through those, let's recap a little bit last week. So for the NBA game for the Lakers and Nuggets, the spread was minus seven. It was game one. I took the Lakers minus seven. Ben leaned that way. Didn't play anything. That was a winner. Um, for the for college football, the first game we had was at, was Miami versus uh, Louisville. Ben took Louisville minus two and a half. I took Miami plus the points. Um, I I was the winner. Ben was the loser. Ben, you want to wait till we talk about the FSU Miami game, or you want to go ahead and say it now? What you had to say about Miami? Um, I apologize to Miami. Um, they came out played a very good game. King looked outstanding. Um, I didn't think one person would change that much. I was completely wrong on that. But, I mean, Louisville had their chances in this game. I thought the play calling was atrocious from Louisville. Um, they had three separate chances to convert a third and four, third and five, and they continuously threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. I almost threw my remote at my TV. <laughs> um, but let's see if Miami can do it again. Their college game day once again. They proved me wrong week one, and we'll get into that. Uh, my uh, Miami Florida State matchup here in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick before we move on, you know, I felt for you, Ben. They had those three turnovers. They gave up like two third and elevens. I mean, if I, I if I sat, I told my buddy, I was like, if I had money on on Louisville, I probably would break something right now. So, I definitely feel your pain, man. Um, next one is Wake Forest plus one. We both agreed on that one and lost. And then UCF minus seven was the last one. Ben leaned UCF but didn't play it. I played them at the seven and one. So I went two and one on college football. Ben was um, 0 and two with the games he played. But it's a long season, guys. It'll all play out. I went 0 and three the first week of college football this year, and now look at and now look where we're at. So definitely a big change. The NFL. I took the Texans and lost. Ben had the Ravens and won. So. We ended up splitting on our uh, head-to-heads this week. Um, I played the Seahawks minus four and one. Ben leaned that way, didn't play it. Same thing with the Colts. I played the minus three and one. Ben leaned it and didn't play it. I also played the Falcons plus four and a half, and we both played the over together and won those. I was four and one on NFL, two and one college football, one and zero NBA. Ben was zero and two on college football, but two and zero on the NFL. So you broke even, got got the people back to break even for the week. So now it's time to run it up and win some bets this week. We'll go ahead and get things started off here with my squad. This is my Florida State Seminoles on the road visiting the Miami Hurricanes. It's college game day. The spread right now sits at um, currently 11.5 in favor of the Miami Hurricanes. Total at 53.5. What are you playing in this one and why? Uh, so I was dead wrong about Miami the first time. I'm not going to be wrong about them this time. Um, I'm actually going to switch from what I said about Miami last week to what I'm saying about Florida State this week. Until they show me some improvement on the offense, I just cannot trust um, Blackman at quarterback. Um, unfortunately for Florida State, uh, their coach had COVID last week. Um, I believe he's good to go. Is he coaching this game? Uh, Norvell? No, Norvell will not be there. He's, he's not going to be there. Coach uh, Odell's so still out. In. 
Okay, so um, I think when you bring in a new coach, I think that's going to hurt. You can't really coach the guys you want. You know, a coach has a specific way of coaching. I'm not going to um, take this game, but if I would, I'm, I'm taking Miami with the points. I think their offense just looks dynamic right now. It looks explosive in, in a variety of different ways, whether that's uh, King dropping back and pass or whether it's running the football effectively. They look good, uh, and I think they have a real good chance to show – back-to-back weeks on college game day on national television that this offense can be explosive. You know, oh wait, is this an official play for you on Miami minus 11? No, I don't know if I'm going to play it. Um, What's the total at though? 53 and a half. I don't trust Florida State enough. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go the same way as you, Ben, and I'm going to play nothing in this game as well. I might be a little too biased on FSU, therefore, and I'm not going to bet against my Knowles, but I will say this. Miami's defense is not that great. They still gave up 500-plus yards of offense last week and got very fortunate getting three turnovers. Um, For FSU, their schedule, I mean, and honestly, even them in the first game of that season was kind of thrown off because of all those rain delays and weather delays, so I don't know how much you can buy into how bad we looked that game. There's still a lot of questions. Like you said, Norvell's out. The one thing that I do have working in favor of Florida State here is the visitors 6-0 and straight up the last six times these teams have met and 12-2 and ATS the last 14 times these teams have met. Look, the, fr- the first year of Taggart, we played Miami, I think, after. So we played, we lost to Virginia Tech, then we played Sanford, and then we had a bye week, and then we played Miami, kind of similar to this. And we almost beat the Canes. It took them a last-second touchdown to come back and beat us. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more of that. Now, like you said, Derek King, I mean, I personally think Derek King's to be like that Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. He gets drafted outside of the first round and ends up being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I really think Derek King is that good and that much of a difference maker. I mean, it's pretty tough for me to go either way in this game. James Blackman's pretty bad, turns the ball over a lot. I mean, if you pulled a gun to my head, I would take the Knowles, but I'm not playing anything. I can't even touch the total in this game. I got no confidence uh, in the Knowles, and I – I don't have much confidence in Miami. They proved me wrong one week. Um, I don't have confidence in them to lay the points with them uh, in, in, uh, in this week either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Too many points here, especially in rivalry games. You know, you don't want to get involved in a game where you're laying that kind of points in a rivalry game. That's when crazy things happen in college football. Um, the next game on the slate features two ranked teams. It's number eight Auburn going on the road and playing at Number 23, Kentucky. This game's at 12 o'clock on the SEC Network. The spread, wow, it moved again. Kentucky is now plus seven, and the over-under is set at 49.5. What are you thinking on this one? Yeah, I'm leaning actually towards the under um, on this. A little bit of a new offense, uh, you know, to plug in for Auburn. Um, I'm not sold on the offensive line yet. I don't think anyone can be. A lot of moving parts there. Um, And Kentucky not having former Auburn Tiger Joey Gatewood being eligible for this game uh, Mark Stoops really wanted him to be that QB1 for him the NCAA is taking their sweet time um, so they're going to have Terry Wilson who was the quarterback last year uh, then he got hurt and Lynn Bowden took over I like I said I have no confidence in Florida State I have no confidence in Terry Wilson being able to throw the football I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to put up a lot of points um, but their defense is solid, so I don't expect Auburn to just come out here and blow them out. I would actually be shocked if if this turns out into a Same. blowout. Um, I don't expect a lot of points. Um, Auburn's kind of a you know they could be a wild card. You don't really know how they're going to come out. Um, but new offense coordinator, a little bit of a new um, 
offensive line as well, and I don't think Kentucky will help out much. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually take the under in this game. Okay, so Ben's got an official play on this one on the under at forty nine and a half or forty seven and a half. Um, I am not gonna touch anything in this game actually. So I would have taken Kentucky if Joey Gatewood was playing. I personally trust Gatewood, and like you said, we can't really trust Terry Wilson. Um, Auburn has four new offensive linemen, which he said. They also lost their two best D linemen to the NFL. They do have their top three wide receivers back, as we stated. But I think Kentucky is a real disadvantage here in the trenches, and I hate backing a favorite when they're lacking in the trenches. You know, if you can get up there and push those boys up front around, like you said, Kentucky's got a good defense thing, get to this quarterback. I mean, they could make a lot of plays and very much hurt Auburn. Also, you know, when it was at seven and a half, I would have felt better at taking Kentucky. Seven's kind of a dead number just because. You know, it's that number right there. Still, though, I would probably take Kentucky here. I feel like Auburn's going to have a tough time adjusting with without that continuity on the offensive line. I mean, that's something I really look for in missing those defensive linemen. I think Kentucky's going to make this a tight game, but I think Auburn will end up pulling it out in something like a, you know, like a 27-23 kind of game. Like, I think it's really going to come down to the wire, and Bo Nix will lead a game-winning drive. You know, Bo Nix, like I said, said, he lost three games last year by seven points or less. He has experience in these big games. It's time for him to take that next step forward. Auburn will pull it out on the road, but it's going to be a tighter one than they were looking for. I agree with all of that. I got nothing left to add. I don't expect a lot of points. Yeah, that's a. I mean, I don't hate your underplay there at all. Um, next up, I will say this guy's going forward every single podcast. We're going to have, as long as FSU, Bama, and UGA are playing teams that are in the that are in the conference, we'll definitely we're going to break down their games every single time. Then we'll do the best matchups of the week at that point. So, on point, Alabama, number two in the nation, on the road at Missouri, Crimson Tide favored by twenty eight points here. Um, the total is sitting at. Um, the total is currently at 56 and a half or 56 and it's at Missouri like I said 7 p.m. on ESPN what are you doing with this one Ben I'm actually I actually love uh, I need to wait to see the official uh, spread of it but I love Bama first half in this game if it mm-hmm. sits around 14 and a half which is what I think it's going to be at I absolutely love that uh, I plan on taking that I really don't hate Bama minus 28 either I just I think I'm just going to take the first half with it though. Listen, this Bama offense is a juggernaut. I mean, they have they have everything you need. They really do. I mean, even if the quarterback play is not what Tua brought, it doesn't matter. I mean, it really doesn't matter. They have an experienced and veteran offensive line. They have two outstanding uh, receivers. Both could be up for the Blitnikoff Award. They have an unbelievable running back, Najee Harris, which you picked to win Conference Play of the Year. Um, and the defense should be much much improved, but I'm more looking to see what this defense can show compared to what Missouri. I don't think Missouri's going to show much. I don't think Missouri's got much talent uh, that they're going to be putting on the field compared to Alabama. Uh, this I expect this to get ugly and pretty quick. Yeah, um, I'm on the exact same train Ben is here. Look, this is Eli Drinkwitz. He came over from App State. This is his first year here for Missouri. First game with his team. Um, definitely lost a decent bit of guys from last year's team. Alabama is twenty is twelve and one against the spread in the season opener, averaging a score of forty one to eleven and covering by nine points per game. Um, all, Alabama also been this is good for your bet is twenty four and nine against the spread in the first half as a first half double digit favorite. So that's another good uh, trend there for you. But 
more of the same, man. I think it's going to be an Alabama slaughter fest. I think they come out, let Mac Jones throw the ball all over him. Then they let, what's y'all's uh, true freshman, Bryce Young? Is that his name? Bryce Young, yep. Yep, I think Bryce Young will even get some time, and Saban will let him air it out too. You know, I think Alabama's going to win this game like 49-0 or something like that. You know, I think it's going to be real ugly <clears> for Missouri. I don't see Missouri scoring more than 10 points. I lean to the under, under and I have a play on the twenty on the minus 28. I think Alabama blows the doors off of them. Love hearing that you're on the tide. Oh, yeah. Well, it's always a good thing when we're on the same side. Um, next one, we have number four UGA at Arkansas, who is unranked. Um, the ra- this spread currently on this one has the Razorbacks is a 28-point home dog, and the over-under is at 53. Um, what are you playing on this one, Ben? Um, I feel like this has the under just written all over it. Um, Arkansas, you know, a lot of people aren't really expecting much out of them. Georgia's got a phenomenal defense. Uh, you can make a case that it could be best in the country. If not, it's top two, top three. Um, I expect Georgia's defense to get a lot of stops, even get a couple turnovers. Um, and then we just don't know what we're going to see at a quarterback for Georgia. They struggled to score points last year with a guy that a lot of media members uh, liked and Jake Fromm. He didn't show much all season long. And now – He's gone to the NFL, and then the the two projected starters, Jamie Newman, has opted out of the season, and uh, JT Daniels, transfer from uh, Southern California, has not been cleared to play yet. So this is Kirby's third-string quarterback that is now being um, jolted into the starting job. I'm not expecting big, big numbers from him. Just we haven't seen him play. Um, so I'm not going to play anything on this game, but if I would, I think I'm going to lean towards the under because – I think Georgia's going to have to rely on the run. I think they're going to rely on short passes. Um, I don't I don't just see a lot of big, explosive plays down the field uh, through the pass game. I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, um, I'm completely on this on the same side as you with this one. Um, I'm playing the under as well, under 53. Um, Georgia is 11-4 and four against the spread as a road favorite, so that is a decent little trend there for those of you all want to follow that one. Like you said, Sam Pittman's first game. Um, head coach Barry Odom comes over to be the defensive coordinator. So, you know, I think think uh, from Missouri. So, you know, I think that there might be a decent defensive showing here from Arkansas. Also, you know, Georgia probably doesn't want to show everything they got with Auburn on deck. You know, they probably want to keep yeah. it pretty vanilla, get up early and kind of coast like they did last year against Vandy. It was kind of like they got up 21-0. They scored their first three drives, and they're kind of like, wait, Vandy has no offense. We can just run the ball on them and run the clock out and get out of here with a win. And that's pretty much what Georgia ended up doing to him last year. I see the exact same game plan, the exact same game playing out. If I was forced to play a, play a half, I would lean the, the first half just because, you know, I feel like Georgia can go ahead and blow them out early and get up on them quick, kind of like they did last year. But I think under is a solid play here. I don't think we'll see much out of Arkansas. I mean, Felipe Franks throws ducks too. I think Georgia relies on that run game. and They run the ball a lot, throw a couple conservative pass plays, but – I mean, I wouldn't even be shocked if Georgia threw the ball under 15 times in this game. Yeah, this is really the first time that Zamir White, uh, he's, he's got a god, literally a godly nickname to live up to. His nickname's Zeus. Um, it's the first time he's really the main guy. So mm-hmm. uh, he had a little bit of injury, injury problems late in high school and I believe freshman year at Georgia. He's, he's the man. Um, he's got help. He's got McIntosh. He's got James Cook. Uh, you know, Georgia's always got the running backs. Um but we'll see. I mean, this is – to me, I, it, it's a lot of moving parts uh, for Georgia. They kind of need to figure out, um, you know, after Pickens being that stud receiver, they have guys who have had experience, but no guys who have ever really been the number two receiver. Uh, Blaylock is out for the year. 
so there's just a lot of moving parts. Um, I'm interested to see what Georgia comes out and uh, shows. Yeah, no, I'm excited too to see how Georgia looks. Like you said, you know, new offensive coordinator. They finally got Coley out of there, so I think they're going to be some... tested. They're going to be tested early this year, so not this yeah. week, but for the next four weeks, they will be. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, if they have any wrinkles this offense, they're going to want to be as vanilla as possible this week. That makes me love the under all the more. Um, next game is a nut, is the second ranked game. There's only two ranked games this week, so you know we had to throw it on there. This game comes on at 12 o'clock on the ACC Network. It is number 24, Louisville, is on the road to play number 21, Pittsburgh. The spread on this game is um, Pittsburgh is a home favorite, minus three, and the over-under set at 55.5. Um, what are you playing with this one, Ben? I actually don't know if I'm going to play this one as well. I, I don't think I can trust Louisville. But at the same time, my brain is telling me to take Louisville with the points. It's this is I mean, this is a crazy matchup. You have a vanilla boring kind of offense in Pitt, and then you have an offense in Louisville that can be explosive any given play. I mean, they have explosive type of players that can throw the ball downfield, their quarterback can run very well. But I just can't trust Louisville. That defense was they look like they were allergic to playing defense against Miami last week. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit less um, dynamic of an offense playing pit, so you would think that would help Louisville, but dude, until they show something, that defense is garbage. Mm-hmm. See, I agree with you completely. I mean, honestly, it looked like they were trying not to catch COVID with the way they were trying to tackle Miami. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I know that's a sore one for you right now still. Look, Louisville had three turnovers and gave up 485 yards of offense. If they didn't cut that field in half for for um, Miami in that game, I think there might have been 500 yards put up on them. Um, they clearly can't stop running QBs. Kyle Pickett can definitely tuck it and run. He is, I mean, I wouldn't say he's a prolific runner, but he definitely has got the legs and he will run. He's not afraid to tuck it and run at all. Pittsburgh six and one against the spread the last uh, seven times they played the Cards. Louisville has given up 20 tackles for a loss on that O-line. I mean, you lose a guy like Mekhi Becton, probably the best offensive lineman to ever walk through those doors at Louisville and lose him to the NFL. And you got a Pittsburgh defense, as that's the strength of their team, returning eight starters. I mean, they were nasty in 2019. I think Pittsburgh gets after them early, shuts that offense down. I think Pittsburgh rolls here and wins big at home. Look, I think Pittsburgh's kind of underrated. I mean, they won 55-0 first game of the season, played 10-minute quarters, running clock the whole second half. They pretty much scored all that in the first half. Then, I mean, they played a terrible Syracuse game. The score looks a little bit closer, but, I mean, if Pitt wanted to, they could have put 70 up on, on them. It, Syracuse wasn't stopping them at all. I think Kyle Pickett in this run game, they get whatever they want to all day on, on Louisville. I'm predicting, like, a, I think it's going to be a decently high-scoring game, but I think it would be, like, a 38 to, like, 24 Pittsburgh win. I think Louisville just gets a couple of garbage-time touchdowns at the end and get blown out here. So I'm rocking with Pitt. And I'll also say this. I played all my college football bets for half a unit. Usually I play a full unit on everything just because, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty still with college football. But if I were to max bet anything, it would be Pittsburgh right here. The – I mean, Scott Satterfield was great last year as a head coach. I believe he won ACC Coach of the Year. And I'll tell you what. I know that I believe he's more of an offensive guy, but if his team gives up 480-plus yards again, I'll tell you what, there needs to be an attitude check in that Louisville locker room. It's ridiculous to give up that many yards, especially when you have three turnovers like you mentioned. It's absurd. That can't happen. I would love to have video proof of what Louisville's uh, practice looked like because I those defensive players would be running until they puke if I was their coach. It is embarrassing of the uh, the showman uh, of what they showed against Miami. Um, 
and they have another chance to redeem themselves. I'm telling you what, they give up over 470, 480 plus yards again. I'm telling you, Louisville has a major, major problem. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And I mean, Ben, they might need you to get out there and take out your anger on this Louisville. They don't want me out there. (laughs) Yeah, they give me a whistle and people are in trouble. (laughs) They give you a whistle and they're going to be cleaning up, throw up on the side of the turf the whole practice. But no, I see. I agree with you. Look, I think Louisville will turn things around, but I just think it's a tough, you know, break in the schedule. I mean, Miami, I personally thought was really good with De'Ari King. And then I think Pittsburgh as well, you know, is a little undervalued. I think Narduzzi's done a great job with what he walked into there with that program. So absolutely. You know, I just think, I just think honestly, it's just a tough draw for him. But I mean, I still look for Louisville to still be a decent team within this conference. They'll figure it out, but I don't think they do it yet this week. Um, now let's move on to the NFL. Like I said, very excited for that college football card. We have an even greater one in the NFL. Um, obviously, I'm saving the best matchup for the last one on Monday night. I hope all y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, but we'll start things off. Obviously, we're both Falcons fans. I don't know why we do it to ourselves every week, but we got to discuss the dumpster fire of our Atlanta Falcons. They take on the Chicago Bears at home in this game. Um, Falcons are minus three on the spread. The over-under is at 47. Ben, what are you playing? I have no idea why, but I like the Falcons. I like the Falcons <laughs> this week. I I hate myself for saying it, but I do like the Falcons. Um, listen, the pass rush has been improved for the Falcons. They are getting after the quarterback. They've just had to play Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, two quarterbacks that can do a lot of damage two outside the, the pocket. Two of the best, exactly. So Mitch Trubisky can – he does have the ability to get out of the pocket. He's not going to make the plays as consistent as Russell Wilson did. Um, so I like the pass rush still. And I'll, I'll stick with the pass rush. Khalil Mack has been limited, very limited in practice all week. He's expected to play, but on a limited snap count. I think that's absolutely massive, massive. for the Falcons. Um, their offensive line is a little banged up, but I believe they are all playing. Um, the Falcons will, again, be without a couple secondary members. Doesn't matter because even with them, that secondary stinks. Um, listen, this the big thing is Julio Jones is really going to be a game-time decision. Um, that would hurt. I think if Julio Jones plays and is not playing as just a decoy, I think the Falcons easily cover. But if Julio is not, uh, not going to be an impact in the game, I still think the offense is good enough. Um, I have not officially decided if I want to play this, but I'm leaning heavy on taking Falcons minus three. I do not think the Bears are that good. They have escaped with a couple wins so far. Um, one good quarter in week one, and then he played a good half uh, in last week's um, game. I, hey, I in that quarter, though, in that really get it done. Yeah, in that fourth quarter, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but in that fourth quarter in week one, I like to make this clear every single time, the Lions, th- all three of their starting corners were out. None of them played in the fourth quarter, and then he threw three touchdown passes. And the Bears still should have lost if DeAndre Swift can catch a pass. <laughs> so... No, I have zero confidence in the Bears. I don't think Bears fans have confidence in the Bears. I don't even think they like Trubisky. I don't think they like Matt Nagy. Uh, Falcons fan. This is a battle of two uh, fan bases that absolutely hate their head coach. Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty embarrassed by the entire Falcons organization. They're, this has nothing to do with the game, but they release all these cool new jerseys, and they're now wearing the same jersey back to back to back weeks. I mean, just what are we doing? We're just an embarrassment all around. But I like the Falcons this week. I don't know why, but I like them. <laughs> You know, Ben, I don't know why. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't have eyes and saw what happened last week, but I like the Falcons too. 
Haven't officially played them yet. Them and the over are very close to being played, but for the sake of the podcast, I'll say that I played the Falcons and the over. But, you know, honestly, all the same reasons you said, I mean, I think Julio's status is huge. I think we can still win the game and cover without him, but... Jake Matthews is questionable. Dante Fowler, um, Harris, Tack McKinley, Demonte Casey, Boye Oluwakim, um, Caleb McGarry, Marlon Davidson. I mean, I got to see what that laundry list of injuries looks like at the end of the on on a uh, Monday or what am I saying on Sunday? But you know, I think there's definitely regardless. I mean, worst case if the Falcons' defensive guys all sit out, it just makes me like the over even more, you know. But I really think Khalil Mack's injury is going to be huge. Robert Quinn's a little banged up as well, which helps us out. And Janoris Jenkins, too, is a little questionable. So, you know, I think the Falcons are going to come out here. We're going to throw the ball around. The only negatives are the Bears are 9-2 and against the spread and 10-4 and straight up versus Atlanta in those last matchups. And But the Falcons have gone over five of their last six games. I think our offense is too dynamic for them. And I think this team's going to come out pissed off. You know, I mean, if Dan Quinn has, has any kind of sack of nuts – and if this team is any kind of pride or anything, they're going to be sick and tired of what Atlanta, what the media, what everyone's been saying about them. I mean, even Arthur Blank said it. You know, everyone's tired of it. Everybody wants to see something. I think Atlanta could come out here and take their frustration out on them. I think as long as Julio goes, the Falcons win and cover. All we hear after every loss, every Sunday, or every press conference, all we hear is Dan Quinn say, oh, this team's pissed off. I'm pissed off. Well, do something about it. Because nothing has happened since they've made that – Super Bowl run, which is looking like a freaking miracle at this point, because they haven't come close since. I'm just, oh, you got me riled up. Hey, trust me, uh, you you should have heard us on you should have heard us on Tuesday, man. We went in on Dan Quinn, but anyway, that's another story for another day. We're both back in the Falcons and the over. We don't learn from our lessons, so you know, not gonna learn again. Next game on the card is another great one o'clock matchup. The Houston, the 0-2 Houston Texans are on the road against the 2-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Spread on this one's plus four or minus four in favor of the Steelers. Over under set at 54. I'll start us off on this one. Um, you know, I never learned my lessons. I'm going with the Texans plus four here, man. I like this one a decent bit. Look, the Texans are 0 and teams in general in the NFL that are 0-2 against the spread and straight up in going into week three are 15 and 4 against the spread, which makes me like them a lot. And also, you know, man, I just feel like this Texans team, it just caught some tough tough breaks. You know, they had to go play the two arguably the two best teams in the NFL. And I would say these two teams are on a whole nother level from everyone else in Baltimore and Kansas City and kind of gotten lost, you know? Like, I feel like it's just a tough break to start off the season. They're coming in here, they're pissed off. This is a team that has a top three quarterback in the league and thinks they can make a playoff run. First, they got to win some games, though, before they can even start on that playoff run. I think they get momentum going here. Also, look, I think Pittsburgh's a good team, but I just feel like Texans want it more. This team's going to come out highly motivated, and I think they're going to take it to Pittsburgh and cover the spread and win straight up. This is, without a doubt, a must-win game for these Houston Texans. I mean, no way around it, it's a must-win. They're 0-2, and yes, they've had the hardest schedule in the NFL to this date, but the Titans, who are in the division, are sitting at 2-0. So if the Texans go 0-3, the Titans go 3-0. You can kiss that division goodbye, uh, you know, unless they really just sweep in the division, but that's unlikely to happen. Very hard. Uh, there's three There's three teams in this division that are all good, but I don't think any of them are great. I would say that's uh, the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans. I think all of them are good. Um, and this is just a bad break for the Texans it really is but because it's a must win I'm leaning towards that plus four like you said but I'm personally just going to leave this one alone and just you know I, this is 
it's a tough matchup for a lot of reasons and a lot of different reasons. Be, uh, you know, the Chiefs and the Ravens, which they had to play, you have to score with those teams. Pittsburgh is you have to keep Deshaun Watson upright and give him to, and give him time to throw. You have T.J. Watt coming at you on one side, arguably one of the greatest edge rushers in the game uh, currently. Um, you can even argue he's better than his brother because his brother doesn't stay on the field for 16 games. And then you have Bud Dupree, who's had a good start to his uh, NFL career, and he's also in a contract year. And you guys know what that means. Usually you try to play your best football so you get that big money. They've looked really good so far. Um, they have uh, is it Devin Bush, I believe, from uh, mm-hmm. Michigan up the middle. He's looked good. Uh, he was a rookie last year. And then the secondary, ever since Minka Fitzpatrick came over, they look good between him, Joe Hayden, and the boys. Um, this is another tough matchup, but because it is a must-win, um, I'm leaning towards taking your side with the Texans, but I'm not going to play this. Hey, fair enough. Definitely understand that. I just feel like, man, Deshaun Watson with his back up against the wall, that's when real players come out and play, and that's when Deshaun's going to go out and show up. But, I mean, hey, it's a tough it's a tough draw on the schedule, honestly, for Texans, starting out these three, three probably their three toughest opponents on their schedule the first three games of the season. They it's brutal. No favors there. Yeah, no favors done there. Um, next up is Sunday Night Football. Packers at the Saints. Um, spread currently sits at three for this one, and the over-under is at 52.5. Um, I'll start us off once again with this one. I'm going to go with the Saints in this game. And so teams that are 2-0 and against the spread and straight up are 4-9 and against the spread in Week 3 in 2016. That's the Packers, Raiders, and Rams. I know obviously we're not talking Raiders, Rams. I just figured I'd throw that in there for y'all. Um, the Packers are 1-5 against the spread the last six times they've played New Orleans. But I'm not going to lie. Those trends mean don't mean that much to me. This is what means a lot to me. Devontae Adams has not practiced yet this week. I mean, this Packers offense is a lot different with and without Devontae Par- or Adams in there. We saw their splits last season with and without him. It was crazy. It was off the charts. Valdez, Scantling, Lazard, and whoever the hell else they got in that receiving core aren't going to do anything for them in this situation. I think they're going to be hurt and missing those guys. You know, I mean, even if Adams plays, I don't think he's be a hundred percent. Also, the rest of the injury report looks like a shopping list for the Packers. I mean, they have offensive line, defensive players, everything on there. Also, think the Saints are pretty pissed off with the way the game went last week. Michael Thomas is still questionable. I think if he plays, New Orleans is an probably be upgraded to a two unit bet for me. I've definitely got a unit on New Orleans here. I think they bounce back after a tough road loss. You're right about that injury list for the Packers. It's it's pretty ugly. Uh, it's an ugly 2-0 team right now. Um, but I'll tell you what else is ugly. Uh, Breeze is throwing. I mean, that dude looks all uh, – is he 41? He yeah, looks 41. like it. Um, and I'll tell you what. The award MVP stands for most valuable player. Uh, even though you and I don't like the Saints and don't like this particular player, how valuable – is Michael Thomas. I mean, my goodness. The Saints look terrible without him. Awesome. Drew Brees looks like he can barely throw a 15-yard pass, which Michael Thomas doesn't go that far anyway. The, the, the Saints could not move the ball um, in last week's matchup. So I don't know if I have confidence in Drew Brees' throwing motion. I mean, I've never, never seen Drew Brees look his, – his arm look that dead before. Um, but like you said, with all those – but th- that can be said with uh, – with um, the Packers, if Devontae Adams is not allowed, is uh, not allowed, is uh, not playing, if he's hurt, mm-hmm. if he's hurt, that's they don't have that great of receivers. They have they have a stud and superstar receiver in Devontae Adams, and then they have good receivers to accommodate him. 
they don't have a go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers. Now, he can throw the ball to everyone. He, it doesn't matter. As long as you catch the ball, and he's fine. Um, I'm not going to touch this game because I don't trust Drew Brees uh, in that offense without Michael Thomas until they show me something. And I don't trust the Packers offense to put up a lot of points uh, without Devontae Adams because it's looking like if he plays, he's having probably less than three catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he doesn't play, then I don't know what that Packers offense is going to look like. Sounds like you kind of like the under there, Ben, which I don't think is a horrible play at 52 and a half. I don't, I don't think it is. Um, I think it all depends on – I would if Devontae plays, I would say I, I would take the Packers because I have enough confidence that Aaron Rodgers can spread the ball, spread the wealth um, all the way around. Um, and, I mean, Aaron Jones has looked good. I mean, they just need to keep feeding him the ball. Aaron Rodgers will play, you know, mistake-free football. Um I, I trust Rodgers a lot more than I trust Drew Brees right now. Um, mm-hmm. But these injuries are just racking up. In a healthy matchup, this is a classic over game. If it is Michael Thomas and, and Drew Brees in the in the Saints versus Packers, I mean, this is a classic over game. These quarterbacks can just drop dimes all over the field. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Now, that's what I'm saying. I think Michael Thomas going or not really changes a lot of things. But I just feel like the Saints are going to grind one out at home. They always seem to play really they well it. when they're at home. They always... You know, especially in the spot, man. I feel like they always play play better when their backs against the wall and they're at home. I would not. I just can't bring myself to go against them here. Um, last game, honestly, this might be the NFL game of the year right here. I'm not saying from a betting perspective. I'm saying from a fan's point of view of watching this game. I mean, this game's gonna be absolutely crazy. You have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, arguably the two best teams in the entire league, facing off in no better spot. Monday Night Football. I mean. It's going to be the worst Monday ever because we're going to be looking forward to Monday Night Football so much. Um, <laughs> the spread on this game is the home Ravens minus three and a half. The over-under is at 55. Um, what are you thinking on this one, Ben? It's a classic over game, is it not? You have the two most high-prolific offenses uh, in the NFL. The Chiefs, I wouldn't say their defense is bad, but it's it's not it's not that good. Ben, but don't uh, break with them. Yeah, exactly. The Ravens can play some defense. I would actually try to get this down, uh, maybe tease it to a pick em, and I would take the Ravens um, because I trust their defense a little bit more. And uh, listen, Mahomes has been really good, but at the same time, he he hasn't looked really – like it's kind of been off to a slow start. Last week when they played uh, – uh, help me out. Who'd they play? Chargers. Thank you. Um, good pass rush by the Chargers, not that good of a secondary – was also playing a rookie quarterback, and they didn't take the lead to the fourth quarter, I believe. Um, I don't know what was happening there. We almost never see that from the Chiefs. But even if they do go down, Mahomes is phenomenal at coming back. I uh, did it in every single victory in the playoffs last year. I would actually take this to a pick em, um if possible, and pick the Ravens, the home team. Ooh, I'm on the opposite side of you on this one, man. Look. Here's some stats for y'all because y'all know I love my stats. Kansas City's gone over and Baltimore have gone over five out of the last six times they've played in Baltimore, so that's good for you, Ben. Um, Kansas City's ten and zero straight up in their last ten games. They're seven and one straight up in their last eight games on the road. A ten and one ATS in their last eleven games. That one non-cover that broke the streak was last week against the Chargers. 
Um, I'm all over Kansas City, man. If I'm Kansas City, I'm saying, look, we didn't have a great performance this last week. And I think a lot of that, too, was because, you know, your whole game plan is around Tyrod Taylor and his legs and how you can take that away from him. When he doesn't start the game, it throws the entire game plan off. I mean, yeah, Herbert can run the ball, but it's a different game plan. Look, I think Kansas City's pissed off here. I think they're looking at this like, how the hell did we just win the Super Bowl and now we're three-and-a-half-point dogs playing against Baltimore Monday night? Patrick Mahomes is taking note. Andy Reid's taking note. This whole team is taking note, man, and they're not liking any of that. I think they come out fired up and pissed off, and I personally think they run Baltimore off the field. I think Kansas City's going to win this game straight up, and the over will hit. I agree with you on that one. Look, the Ravens are a great team. they got a lot of good stuff going for them. I think it's all good and all, but Kansas City's the baddest team in the league, and they're about to remind you all who the king of the NFL is, and they're going to come in here and beat the Ravens. I think it's going to be a final score of, like, 34-31. I mean, I think it's going to be an all-time classic, but I think Kansas City's got the edge, man. I can't go against Mahomes ever. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's tough to pick against, uh, you know, Super Bowl champs until they kind of show you that they're not the champs anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I really think uh, Baltimore, specifically on the defensive end, comes out with an attitude. Um, I think they'll be fired up. Um, I would see you get this game on the sideline to give them that edge. You know, one of those kind of games. You bring the legends back. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe they toss around a towel. I know that's a Pittsburgh thing, but uh, I just trust the defense a little bit more. And, and in a game like this, you, I'm only expecting maybe three or four stops throughout an entire game. I mean, these offenses are just too good to back-to-back possessions. It's mm-hmm. tough to get them. You you won't see very many three and outs. Um, I, I, like, I just like what I've seen from the Ravens. I trust their defense a little bit more. And obviously, with not many fans, I, I still think being at home is a sense of comfort uh, comfort for them. And it's a little bit of a revenge game. And I like the revenge uh, on their mindset. I feel like Baltimore is a city and a team that loves to be in revenge games. Uh, maybe that was the older teams with Ray Lewis, but it's still the same coach in Harbaugh. So I think they play with a little bit of attitude. Hey, I like that. You know, I'd love to see the Ravens show up with some attitude. I just think, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to get Tyreek Hill involved early. He's going to get Travis Kelsey. They're going to get Clive Edward Hilaire going on the ground. Um, it's going to be a fu- it's going to be a fun game to watch. Ultimately, I think Kansas City's going to come out and pull off this huge road win. But I mean, I've never, I, man, I wish this game was on Sunday night, honestly, and they had them flip flopped. But you know, they're not going to get the Saints back to back Monday night football games. But you know, it's it, it's going to be a Sunday. Let's put it this way: it's going to be a Monday night that I've never looked forward to as much, except probably when the Falcons have been playing. So that's the kind of Monday we're going to be looking forward to. Ben, you got anything else to say before we get up out of here? Uh, I'll run through very quickly my picks that I'm taking this weekend. Oh, my yeah. slate, I do, I love this slate. Uh, you and I talked about it uh, previously, and I've mentioned a couple of them, but let me go through them real quick. Bama first half, it's going to be around 14 and a half. I'm taking it unless it's above. Uh, if it's above 16, I'm going to not take it. I'll probably take Bama for the game. But first half, Bama. I'm taking Mississippi State plus 17 at LSU. I'm taking 13 uh, against Cincinnati. I, I, I love this one. Army runs the triple option. Since he likes to run the ball a lot, I expect the clock to just tick, tick, tock. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm taking the under 46. I've actually already taken this under 46 in the Duke UVA game. Duke in the two weeks that we've watched them play has not put up very many points. I don't think that's that offense. And UVA is yet to play a game, and they lost their best player and quarterback Bryce Perkins last season. Uh, so new quarterback at the helm. I, I love the under in that game. 
Yeah, I'm actually on the under in that game as well, and I took Duke plus the points as well. I think they bounced back after having five red zone turnovers the week before. I just think that that was a dumpster fire for them. But me and Ben giving y'all plenty of good bets for the week. Go out, but hey, bet wisely. Don't ever risk more than you can't lose. So that's a, that's a word to the wise right there. But we appreciate everyone who tuned in once again. I hope y'all are as excited for these games as we are. Um, ben, appreciate you coming on once again. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Hey, always a pleasure, always a pleasure. Well, we'll see all y'all on Monday. We'll get y'all the recap, as always, at the beginning of the podcast. But see y'all soon. Peace.